1 Corinthians 6.14 And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. John 11 verses 25 to 26 um, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Romans 6, 9. We know that Christ being risen from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Um, Christ Jesus who died more than that, who raised the light, and, and is now sitting at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You can also of night, but God will survive next day. Luke 24, 6-7. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Lazarus is risen. Now you say it, He said, Listen. He's risen indeed. He is risen. One more time. He is risen. Yes, he is. Amen. Uh, good morning, church. My name is Josh Butler. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Redemption. And it's Easter. You made it. Whew. One of the first things I want to have us do this Easter morning is just take a deep breath. If you would inhale, exhale. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. That is actually the motto for one of the most popular downloaded apps of this year, the Calm app, which helps people with their breathing. It's been kind of spiked in use here in anxious times this last year. It's now worth estimated $2 billion. It's been downloaded over 100 million times. And it seems that we are curious and looking for help in how to breathe. Videos have gone viral, like uh, Wim Hof, a popular YouTuber who teaches and instructs people on breathing techniques for how to breathe better. And if you ask me, I would have thought, man, that's one of the things that kind of comes naturally. I don't know that I need to pay money instructor or whatever, but it appears that we could use some help with learning how to breathe. Now, breath is important because breath is a source of life. Did you know that you breathe on average around 22,000 times in a day? Inhaling oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide. Your lungs expanding and contracting. Healthy breathing, they say, it boosts your immune system. It improves your mental concentration and your overall well-being. Maybe you found yourself paying more attention to your breath right here, right now, as I've been talking, yeah, which is good. You probably breathed about 20 plus times since I started. All right, well, Josh, why, why are you talking so much about breath? What, it's Easter. What are you talking about breath for? Well, because I find it interesting 
One of the first things the risen Jesus does upon his resurrection is he breathes upon his disciples. We are in John 20 today. And if you wanna open up your Bible there, if you got one, you can pray to read, pull it up on your phone. We're in John 20 where we see that the risen Jesus gives us breath. That the risen Jesus, the first thing he does upon his resurrection is he breathes upon his followers. And that may sound weird or strange at first glance because, man, if I were to like walk up to you and just breathe on you, like you might be like, dude, what are you doing, right? Especially these days, right? So we can be like, dude, that, that, that's weird. Why is Jesus breathing on his followers? But it's actually a powerful sign. We're gonna see is it means not only has Jesus risen for himself, but Jesus has risen to share his resurrection life with you. Jesus has come back from the grave. He has risen victorious to fill your sails, to blow up your breath, your lungs with fresh breath. He has come to fill you up with the very presence of God. It's the title for our Easter message this morning is Breathe Deep. Breathe deep. We can breathe deep because the risen Jesus gives us breath. Let's open up in John 20 beginning in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first, it was the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear, afraid, fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, peace, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Well, the first thing we see here is that before Jesus arrives, his disciples are out of breath. They're out of air. They have just had the wind knocked out of them. Jesus has been dead for three days. John tells us here that it is the first day of the week. And in the Jewish calendar, the first day of the week is Sunday. Jesus has been dead since Friday. If you can put yourselves in their shoes, they have banked all of their hopes on Jesus, all their chips on Jesus, and now he is gone. All hope appears to be lost. They are disoriented, disillusioned, discouraged, probably asking, God, where are you? Like, how did we miss it. We felt so sure their rhythms have been upended. They're confused and wondering what is going on. They are in the dark, metaphorically and also literally in the dark. John tells us that it is evening time here in verse 19, which means that it is dark outside. And he says that the doors are locked. They are inside doors locked to protect them from the danger outside, that the very Jewish leaders, the leaders of their people who put Jesus to death are now out for them. So they're inside. Check this. They're indoors, locked against the danger of the outside world. They're afraid, and they're wondering what the heck is going on. And I have to wonder whether the disciples are not a powerful picture of us this last year. Where the disciples are a powerful picture of you and I because we have seen a lot between two Easter's. 
You and I, we have seen a lot between two Easter's. From last Easter to this Easter, as we come in this morning, we have seen many things. We have seen a worldwide sickness. We have grieved the loss of loved ones, of neighbors. People that we know of close and people who we have admired from far away. At times, we've experienced the tragedy of not being able to be with them in their final days and moments. We've seen a lot between two Easter. We've experienced smaller losses too. We have seen the loss of jobs, of income, of opportunities for our children, of plans that we had made for the future. We've seen a lot between two Easter's. Not only that, we have seen isolation, working from home, school on Zoom, keeping touch with friends from afar. We've seen a lot between two Easter's. And the craziest thing to me between these last two Easter's is that breath itself has become dangerous. That the very source of life has become a vehicle for disease and for death. And could you have ever imagined that we would find ourselves having to protect ourselves from the source of life, the breath of each other? Can you relate to the disciples? And I want to ask as we prepare to celebrate Easter, as we anticipate the arrival first, where have you had the wind knocked out of you this year? Are there areas that have left you breathless, rhythms upended of details and structure and plans for the future, things changed around? Have you found yourself at times going, God, what is going on? Can you relate to the disciples? And yet, John gives us a clue that something new is afoot. In verse 19, he says, it is the first day of the week. It is the first day. And this is a clue or a sign he's given us that something new is afoot. There is not only a new week, but there is a new beginning. There is a new creation that Christ has inaugurated. And suddenly to their surprise, Jesus arrives and he speaks peace. Jesus arrives and he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And it says he showed them his hands and his side, the wounds, the marks of his suffering, but the suffering could not contain him. The grave could not hold him because he is risen from the grave and he arrives in the darkened room and he speaks peace, the peace of God. Sandwiched between this peace be with you two times is his wounds and his hands and his side. It's showing what his suffering accomplished, that he has borne our sin and our sickness, our suffering and our shame, but he has come out the other side with victory and now he shares his victory and he comes to bring the peace of God. And I wonder, I wonder what the sound of their breath was like in that moment. Because it says they were, they were glad when they saw the Lord. And your breath, you breathe differently when you're glad than when you're sad. Your breathing patterns change when you're happy versus when you're afraid. When you are afraid, you can imagine being a kid and you're playing hide and seek and you're in the closet and you're hoping they don't find you and you're in the dark and you're kind of hold, trying to hold your breath. 
but then you, you need the oxygen. So you start, you know, but you're trying to keep it down so that no one hears you. You breathe differently when you're afraid. Anxiety can lead to panic attacks, can lead to labored breathing. But then when Jesus walks in the room in the surprise, I don't know about you, but I envision it like this, that they're breathless, but in a different way. They're breathless, but in a different way. They find themselves that Jesus shows up and he takes their breath away, but he takes it away with joy because Jesus has knocked the wind out of death. Jesus has conquered the grave. He has risen victorious. He has defeated the final enemy and he shows up in the dark place with the light of his presence and it means the victory has been won. Death does not have the last word. Where is your sting, O death? Because resurrection, Jesus' resurrection is the inauguration of a kingdom, a kingdom that now cannot be shaken. And this kingdom that is coming, it is resurrection that will go viral. Sickness will not have the last word. In this kingdom, the nations will worship together and reconcile glory around the throne of God as wars and hostility and fighting ceases. In this resurrection kingdom, the lame shall walk, the blind shall see, those who are lonely will experience union, will experience community, will experience communion with God because the wedding feast of the lamb is secure. The lamb who was slain is bringing a resurrection kingdom that will restore creation to God, that will bring heaven to earth and reconcile all creation and humanity. All those who would love and put their trust in him are brought into union with their maker once more. Jesus has knocked the wind out of death. And he appears and he speaks peace. This victory however, is not only for the future, it is also for today. We see this in verse 21. We pick up, says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, twice for emphasis. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I love that. Jesus sends us in the same manner that he was sent in sacrificial love to the world. But first, it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. We find here that you and I, we can breathe deep because the risen Jesus gives us breath. We can breathe deep because the risen Jesus gives us breath. The first thing that Jesus does here is he breathes on them. It says he breathed on them. And again, that is a strange thing to do. Again, it would be weird if I walked up to you and was just like, right? Especially if I had maybe just eaten a burrito or something. You may be like, here, dude, here's some Listerine or some breath mints or whatever. So why does Jesus breathe on them? Jesus is sharing his resurrection life with them. Now, this is an echo of Genesis 2. To understand the full picture of what Jesus is doing here, it's helpful to refresh our memories and go back to the Garden of Eden and Genesis 2 and God's creation of Adam, his creation of humanity. Jesus is replaying this picture, right? So we go to Genesis 2, 
We read that God created humanity from the dust of the earth. So God bends down and burrows his hands like bulldozers, scooping up the soil like a child building sandcastles at the beach. And he forms Adam's body, sculpted like a Rodan masterpiece, his frame chiseled and carved to perfection. And yet he has a body, but no breath. He has a form, but no fire within him. And so our maker, like a divine EMT, he bends down like divine CPR. He he breathes the breath of life into his lungs. Adam's body fills up like a balloon and his eyes blink open awake to behold the very face of God. You and I were made to be indwelt by the presence of God, to live and run and fuel upon his life within us. And what this means is Jesus comes and he breathes upon his followers is that Jesus has come to reinflate you. Jesus has come to reinflate you. For though you and I, we were made to be indwelt by the presence of God, man, sin has like made us like a fat t- flat tire. Not a fat tire, flat tire, right? Like sin is like a nail that's popped the balloon. It's, it's popped and it's punctured us. And so we still have this breath, but it is expiring. You and I, we are living on borrowed breath, but it is gradually expiring. And like a flat tire, you don't run the way you were supposed to. The ride isn't quite as smooth and you can't get to the destination you were ultimately aiming for. You got a flat tire, you might be able to get a little ways down the road, but gradually over time, the ride is getting bumpier and bumpier. And you might be able to get 60 years, 80 years, maybe 100 down the road, but eventually all of us are expiring we're living on borrowed breath. Sin has punctured the life that you were made for. Yet Jesus has come to conquer sin, to bury it in the grave and to reinflate you with the very life and presence of God. Jesus says here, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 22, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them, and then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He is explaining his act, what he is doing. Now, uh, we miss this in English, but the word spirit and breath are actually the same word in the original language. So what Jesus is saying, he's breathing on them and saying, receive the holy breath, receive the divine spirit, receive the wind of God that I have come to bring, the resurrection wind of God to blow in your sails again, to fill you back up with the life and the presence that you were made for. I remember once when I ran out of breath. I needed breath. I was out surfing and I was in high school. So me and my buddy, uh, we went out surfing and I wasn't very experienced. He was very experienced, but we went out and we were having a blast. I remember it was Sunday morning because no one else was out there. It was just kind of a really chill day at the beach. And so he and I are out there and we're surfing for a couple hours and I start to get tired though. I've been out there a few hours. I'm like, dude, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm ready to go in. And so I start paddling in towards the shore 
only something mysterious happened. I, I kind of look over at the rocks on the side, kind of the cliffs jetting out into the ocean and thinking I should be going this way, but I'm paddling and I'm actually going this way. I'm like, uh-oh, what's, what's going on there? What's happening? And what's happening, I got sucked into a riptide and it carried me, boom, out into the ocean. And so I'm way out in the ocean, like the shore seems like ages away. And so I'm, I'm out here going, oh man, this is a little nervous. What's, what's going on? How do I get back? And the waves are feeling big. There's no way I can't even come close to touching the bottom. And I suddenly see this big set of waves coming up. And the first one, this monster wave like comes down and it crashes right on me and pulls me under. And so I'm under the water, I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is okay though, I got this. I can hold my breath, I can hold my breath. And I kind of endure and I get done and I come up top just in time to, and another wave. And it puts me down again. I remember feeling the, the surfboard, boom, like bonks me in the head. And, and now I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm starting to run out of air. Like, this is tough. I'm just getting churned and everything underneath. And finally I come out on top thinking, okay, but I can just make it, and a third one. Carries me under and I'm, I'm underneath the water going, I don't know if I got it in me. And sure enough, as I'm telling I start to suck in water. I'm swallowing water in, in my lungs and I'm getting scared. I'm like, man, there better not be another because I don't know if I have much more anything left. And, and I come up top and, and the set of the waves had stopped, but I found myself exhausted, just resting on the board, getting as much, air as I could. And then I, I turned and I saw my buddy who, again, he was older. He was like an older brother to me and way more experienced. And he got out and he essentially like yanked me and dragged me <laughs> and got me back into shore, back where I could breathe again. One of the things I learned that day is that you can only hold your breath for so long. And <clears throat> I believe some of you this morning have been holding your breath for quite a while. I found that I think for many of us right now, it's, it's not so much the big waves of this last year, that uh, the unexpected things that have disrupted our rhythms and our norms and kind of held us under. It's, it's not so much that we've kind of come through the big waves, but it's more the exhaustion at the end of it. When I've kind of endured, I've gritted my teeth, I've made it through, but now the things that are fracturing and fraying around us in the exhaustion, that could be that close friendship that is fracturing the way they let you down, the conflict that you were under, under the stress and all those different things. And Jesus though has come to bring peace and to give breath. For others, it could be the worry about your kids. Go, man, I worry about the impact of this last year and they've been on the screens and things have been so different and what's it gonna do? And Jesus has come to give you breath, to bring you peace. For others, there could be some of you where you're going, man, my, my marriage is on the rocks. I, just the waves of, of the season and, and, and now we've endured, but we're exhausted in the conflict and the stress and the fighting. I just don't know if we're gonna be able to make it. Jesus has come. The risen Jesus has come to give you breath, to bring his peace. Or sometimes many of you, it could be the loneliness. Just going, man, I've endured the waves, but now I'm just ex exhausted from the loneliness. And sometimes I feel so tired and so alone. I, I, I just feel like I don't know that I'm gonna make it. Jesus has come to give you breath, to bring you peace. The risen Jesus gives us breath 
He has risen from the grave in order to perform divine CPR on a suffocating world. When you think about CPR and someone receiving CPR, they don't have the breath they need need inside of themselves. And so they're actually inhaling, living off of someone else's breath to kickstart and regenerate their own life again. And that is similarly what Jesus has come to do for you and for I and for our suffocating world. He's come to draw down close like God had done so long ago and breathe the breath of life, the presence of God back into our lungs. And the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of this thing is that Jesus, you don't need to go out and find the oxygen. And Jesus, the oxygen has come to find you. Jesus is way better than an app or a breathing instructor. I mean, those things are fine. They have their place, but those things can only try and teach you how to better breathe, maybe a better technique or a better thing, but they can't bring you the oxygen. The call map doesn't help you if you're underwater, right? But the (laughs) power of Jesus, though, is that he's like the divine lifeguard who's come to pluck you up and pull you up and to resuscitate you and give you the very life and breath of God through his victory. Well, how do I receive the breath, Josh? Like, what, what do I got to do? How do you might be asking, like, well, how do I receive that? How do I receive the breath? It's just as simple. All you got to do is inhale, right? All you got to do is say, yes, Jesus, I want it. Again, you don't have to go earn it. He's come to bring it to you. We just look to him and receive it. And Jesus has actually given us a sign, a powerful sign for how we receive the breath. He says, be baptized. Be baptized, baptism. And it's kind of a symbol. How, how does that, it's actually a very powerful symbol to what we're talking about because in baptism, you go under the water where you can't breathe and then you get yanked up again where you can. Baptism, you go under the water as a sign of your identification with Christ in his death and in his burial. But then you get pulled up and yanked out of the water where you can breathe the breath of life again. One of the things I love about baptism, as we say how we do this, baptism is not a push-up, right? Like baptism is not you going down into your own strength and then you uh, pushing yourself back up. No, baptism is you getting yanked up because you couldn't get yourself out of the water. And it's a sign that Jesus, like that divine lifeguard, he's come to rescue you and to yank you back up into life with him again. Into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, raised with the breath of God in our lungs into the family of God. Jesus' resurrection is what makes this possible. I had a buddy once, he was exploring Jesus, and he's like, man, I, I want to get baptized. He said, I, I, uh, you know, I, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he loves me. I don't believe in the resurrection yet, though. He said, we're like, what's that? He's like, I, just, I, I can't get to the resurrection yet. We're like, all right, dude, well, you know what that means? We can put you down under the water, but we can't bring you back up. Right? <laughs> It is Jesus' resurrection that means he is able to yank us up from the waters because he is alive, he is risen, and he has done so to blow the breath of God back into your lungs. I believe there are some of you this morning who may need to receive baptism, and there are many of us this morning who need to remember our baptism and the breath of life that Jesus has come to bring us. There may be some of you who Need to receive baptism. It may be, go, man, I'm new to Jesus. I'm kind of interested, but I, I, I want to follow him. Or I want to know more about him. And dude, we've actually got baptisms coming up pretty soon. We would love to walk with you and prepare with you for that. So come talk to me. Talk to any one of the pastors with kind of the name tags on. 
Or maybe you're kind of interested in exploring more. We've got our DNA. It's like a class, three weeks, Sunday morning, 11 a.m. service, starts next week. This is a great way to learn more about who we are as a church, how to get connected, and to dig into exploring Jesus and what it looks like to inhale his life together with his people. Here to come. Come talk to us this morning. We'd love to pray with you and help you get started. But for all of us, I believe this morning is a chance to remember our baptism. Maybe for some of you that's reorienting your life, Easter, this is a great time to remember that, man, Jesus didn't come to just make you busy. He came to give you his breath, to orient your life around him, to look towards him and receive life from him. The resurrected Jesus makes us a resurrection people because he shares his risen life with us. And so let's be a people, church, who inhale grace from our resurrected king, who inhale the breath of life, the very presence of God. Let it saturate us and animate us and mark us as a people, the very life of God that Jesus died and rose again to give us himself. And here's the thing about grace, is that when you inhale grace, you exhale worship. When you inhale the grace of God, you exhale forgiveness. When you inhale grace, you exhale good news, the good news of the risen King who has come to give life, to give breath, to the world, to join me in prayer. Jesus, you are the breath giver. Lord, we thank you that you allowed your breathing to stop on the cross in order to identify with us in the darkness of our room, God, of rooms marked by a world in sin and alienation and rebellion. But God, we thank you that and your purity, Jesus, your holiness, your righteousness, who you are, that the grave could not keep you down, but you broke through the other side, that you have risen from the grave and you give breath to us as your people. Thank you that you pour out your life upon us as your people to fill us, Lord. And so I pray this morning that we would be a resurrection people, God, with resurrection wind in our lungs, filled up with the air, the life of your presence, Jesus animated and marked by your love and your life for the world. We want to breathe deep of you, Jesus. We want to breathe deep. We want to exhale worship, forgiveness, and good news. Because you are worthy of it all. It's in your name and for your glory, our mighty risen King.